everybody, and welcome back to episode 42 of the Sunset Single Player Podcast. As always, it's your host, Michael. Thanks so much for joining the podcast this week and stopping by to listen. In terms of what's new with me, I did luckily just get my vaccine. I got the J&J vaccine this past week, so luckily it's just one shot and done, so I don't have to go back. So it's really good that that's off the plate for me. And I've also started getting back into golf, which has been a lot of fun, trying to improve now that the weather's getting better in Pittsburgh. I've been going or practicing once or twice per week, just trying to get some swings in and then also playing on the course as well, just to try to play a little bit better. Definitely something fun to do outside the house and just get some sun and do something active. It's fun to walk the course as well. So hopefully by the end of the summer, so I'll be much improved and able to play a lot better on the course and just have a good time with that. So that's what I've been up to lately. And then in terms of games, I have been playing two new games that we'll get into at the end of the episode today after all the news and these games are hitman 3 by io interactive and oddworld soulstorm by oddworld inhabitants which just came out free on playstation plus for ps5 in the month of april so i do have a lot to say about those two games but this is a pretty heavy news week we did get some really major news actually the tail end of this past week that is definitely worth going into more related to what Sony's up to lately and some more behind the scenes stuff that's been going on at PlayStation that I definitely want to cover for you guys and make sure that you're filled in on. So with that being said, we are going to save the big Sony news for the last news item of the week. And after we get into that, I'll be going into my thoughts on the two games I've been playing. But before that point, there are about five news items unrelated to the big Sony news that I do want to go into. So number one for the news this week is that Abandoned was announced as a new second party exclusive solely coming out on PlayStation 5 and the developer for Abandon is called Blue Box Studios which is a team of about 10 people based out of the Netherlands I read and IGN.com did report that Abandon is going to be a first person survival cinematic shooter experience and the game is said to follow the story of Jason Longfield who wakes up in a forest alone without a clue as to how he ended up there. So we learn that Jason must fight his way out of the forest and into safety. We learn from the studio Blue Box Studios that the game is said to have a primary focus on realism and it's going to be harder to shoot accurately after sprinting and being out of breath. That was one example they gave in the article and the game will also take advantage of the new DualSense PS5 controller to to fire weapons more realistically in a slow fashion. I'm not really sure what they meant by that. And Abandon is planned for release by the end of 2021. And it was said that the game is already running at 4K and 60 frames per second. And according to the developer, there's going to be a full gameplay reveal soon, unlike just the very brief, more cinematic announcement trailer that had been released this past week. So if I had to guess, the game is probably going to be somewhat short since the team is only 10 people, but again, we'll just have to wait and see. And I did watch the announcement trailer, and it is on YouTube if you guys want to check it out. Just type in Abandoned PS5, and the trailer mentions a cultist leader or something and a false prophet, and the false prophet takes me back to Bioshock Infinite. For those that have played that game, you know that the false prophet plays a big role in that game, so I'm definitely excited to see what they do with this one the trailer makes the game seem really realistic and again it was just a cinematic trailer no gameplay was shown but the lighting looked great there was a fire that was set up a campfire that looked really great graphically there was also a female narrator in the trailer and it's yet to be seen if she will be narrating once the game actually comes out so i'm definitely going to keep my eye on this game abandoned but 
I really won't be sold until I see actual gameplay, hopefully soon. And I do think it's going to be a great first-person survival horror experience. I think it's going to be a great fill-in game this fall or holiday to complement or I guess add to some of Sony's bigger games this year. And it's smart that they made this second-party relationship. I just think with all the positive moves that Xbox has been making lately, not only with studio acquisitions, but just the good vibes surrounding Xbox Game Pass and their great backwards compatibility plan into motion. I do think Abandon is a smart and cheap way for Sony to just kind of enhance their lineup this year on top of Returnal, Ratchet, and hopefully Horizon as well. And it's also interesting that the developer Blue Box Studios is from the Netherlands. That's where Guerrilla Games is based as well, the developers behind Killzone and Horizon. So it's definitely interesting to see this area kind of get on the map more for game development. And we also learned that Abandon is not a mysterious Kojima game. So a lot of people online were speculating that Abandon was Kojima Productions next game, but we learned that this is not the case and Kojima is not tied in any way to Abandon. Other people are speculating that Kojima's next game will be exclusive to Xbox instead of exclusive to PlayStation, but there's nothing that's been proven yet to substantiate these claims. My personal hope is that Kojima makes a survival horror game next coming to PS5. I really did like Death Stranding a lot. I just don't want a sequel to that game. I think that one is a nice one and done, and I'd rather the studio do something new, preferably in in the survival horror genre but abandon hopefully it's a scary first person survival horror game i'm looking forward to seeing more out of that one all right number two for the news this week is that Deathloop, which is the arcane studio developed game coming from the same team that is most well known for the dishonored franchise has been delayed so arcane made the announcement on april 8th so a few days ago via twitter and the message said quote we have made the decision to delay the launch of death to september 14th 2021 we're committed to quality and preserving our team's ambitions for death while ensuring the health and safety of everyone at arcane we will be using this extra time to accomplish our goal which is to create a fun stylish and mind-bending player experience we apologize for the extended wait and thank you all for your passion and excitement. It is the fuel that powers our creativity and our hard work. We can't wait to show you more Deathloop soon. End quote. So for those of you that aren't familiar with this game, Deathloop was initially expected in May and as we've discussed in the past, even though Arcane is now a Microsoft-owned studio under the Zenimax and Bethesda umbrella, the game is coming to PS5 first as a timed console exclusive since the deal to get it on Sony's platform first was struck up before Microsoft completed and maybe was even in negotiations for the acquisition. So this does make me wonder if Deathloop will now be coming to Xbox in September of 2022, one year, one full year later, or if the window is only going to be six months maybe the game will now be expected in march of 2022 on xbox on game pass on day one since it technically is a first party microsoft studio now so we will just have to wait to see what that timed period of exclusivity actually is and i do think it was smart of them to delay this game may is already packed with resident evil village mass effect legendary edition which we'll be talking about momentarily biomutant and returnal which is essentially may april 30th so close enough to may 1st and i do think september will be a good time for this game to release before the large onslaught of games in november coming most likely in november we have the potential to be getting horizon forbidden west halo infinite the next battlefield 
Battlefield game, Call of Duty. There's just a lot of games likely coming this fall, and I think that Deathloop getting out in front a little bit in September is good, and it would have just been too crowded in May. I think the game wouldn't have done as well in May as it has the potential to do in September, but that's just my opinion personally, and I am looking forward to playing this one eventually. Even with the delay, this might not be one I get to in September. It really just depends on how much catch up I need to play on other 2021 releases, but I am happy about the delay. The game's definitely going to be better now, and I wasn't going to be getting to it personally in May anyways. I'm sure a lot of Arcane and Dishonored fans out there are disappointed by the delay, but luckily it's just four more months, which really isn't that bad given the circumstances and the impact that COVID likely played on the development team. So four more months in September, we'll be getting Deathloop, and I'm looking forward to checking it out when that time comes. Number three for the news this week is that MLB The Show on Xbox Game Pass was MLB's decision and not Sony's. So while this might seem somewhat obvious that Sony would not want their first party game MLB The Show to launch on Xbox Game Pass on day one, I do think it's important to relay this information anyways just to fill you guys in. So according to Destructoid.com, a PlayStation representative said that the decision for the game to come day and date on April 20th to Xbox Game Pass came straight from Major League Baseball itself and MLB wanted the game to be as accessible as possible and they thought that Xbox Game Pass would be a really great way to make that a reality. And like I said, the game does launch on April 20th, 2021. And this was a larger story I discussed last week. If you'd like to revisit episode 41 and check it out, I break down the news related to MLB The Show coming to Game Pass, what I thought about it, how I thought it impacts Sony moving forward. And just to give you guys the short version, and like I said, if you want, you can go back and listen to episode 41. The short version of my opinion of this is that what it comes down to is that Sony is going to lose out on a lot of $60 or $70 sales of the game on PS4 or PS5 for those people that would rather buy an Xbox and play it for just $15 per month with an Xbox subscription to Xbox Game Pass. So I do think it'll be great for brand awareness for the game. A lot more people are going to be playing MLB The Show this year, which is great. And as it is every year, MLB The Show 21 is looking to be the premier baseball experience. It's the best baseball game you can buy and play. So this is really great for baseball fans in general, making the game more accessible, great for Xbox players, but not great for Sony's bottom line. And like we said last week, there was a chance that Sony probably got a good chunk of money for offering the game for free, on Xbox Game Pass on day one with an Xbox subscription, so not technically free, but you guys know what I mean. But we don't know the specific details of the payment to Sony. We don't even know if Sony is publishing that version of the game or if Major League Baseball is publishing it. It just gets a little bit convoluted since Sony San Diego is the first party Sony team that's in charge of development on MLB The Show each year, and this is the first year it's coming onto Xbox. It's definitely a setback for Sony to make your premier baseball first party experience available for essentially free on your rivals platform. It's just a really interesting time in games and a very interesting and fascinating announcement, at least from my perspective. Number four for the news this week is that Sony recently signed a Netflix exclusivity deal for some of its upcoming films. So according to GameInformer.com, Sony has formed an agreement with Netflix beginning in 2022, and this partnership between Sony and the streaming giant Netflix gives exclusive rights for Netflix to host 
Sony's upcoming movies, and the partnership is set to extend over an 18-month period to start. Some films that are already announced to stream exclusively on Netflix that Sony has been taking the lead on include Morbius, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2, and the prequel Uncharted movie. In addition to these three movies, there's also going to be additional movies that will stream on Netflix that have yet to have been announced, and this exclusivity applies only to streaming. So these movies will still be viewable in movie theaters, but from a streaming perspective, you'll only be able to stream them on Netflix. And since it doesn't begin until 2022, this newfound agreement between Sony and Netflix, movies like Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and Spider-Man No Way Home will be open for streaming across all services for those that will have them. Personally, I can't wait for Into the Spider-Verse Part 2 or Spider-Verse 2, whatever they end up calling it. The first one is one of my favorite movies of all time. The animation work and the story and that introduction to Miles Morales as a new Spider-Man were all incredible and the movie is just a masterpiece. I cannot wait for the second movie and that's coming from someone that isn't even a huge, huge Spider-Man fan outside of the games at least. As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of the Insomniac Spider-Man games. While I enjoyed most of the Sam Raimi original trilogy movies and some of the newer ones as well. I just think that the Spider-Verse movie was so much better than the other ones just from a story and animation perspective like I said and I do hope that this partnership with Netflix will extend beyond 2022 as well since I do think that Netflix is a good place for these movies to be released and I do think that maybe it will extend for whenever Ghost of Tsushima is ready I think it would be interesting to only be able to see Ghost of Tsushima on Netflix unless you wanted to go out to the theaters to see it so it'll be interesting to see where that movie ends up and if it will come out in this 18 month window or if it's maybe going to be ready in 2024 we just don't really know so if this starts at the beginning of 2022 18 months would take us to like summer of 2023 so i don't know if ghost will be ready by then and this doesn't apply to sony developed tv shows so this is important i do want to make sure that i drill this home a little bit this agreement doesn't apply to sony developed tv shows so i do think that the violent and dark themes found in the last of us show that's upcoming is much better suited for the platform it's landed on HBO. I do think personally HBO is a really good landing spot for something really violent and dark like The Last of Us. But for Spider-Man movies especially, I think Netflix does make a lot of sense as a platform personally. All right, so number five for the news this week is that the Mass Effect Legendary Edition has gone gold. So according to GameSpot.com, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition has gone gold a little over a month before its release date of May 14th, 2021. And as always, going gold means that the game's code is finalized, but only to the point where it can be copied to discs and shipped. So Bioware can still change the game at any time, or the trilogy, I should say, at any time before or after launch through patches and updates which of course I'm sure a lot of you guys were already aware of. So just as a recap, in case you didn't know about this Legendary Edition, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition bundles in the three first Mass Effect games, so Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2, and Mass Effect 3, and each game contains various improvements, especially Mass Effect 1, where it was reported that they apparently overhauled a lot of the gameplay mechanics of the first game. Apparently Mass Effect 1 just didn't play very well, so they modernized it and modernized the gameplay more specifically to be more aligned with what's found in Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, which is great. And the Legendary Edition is coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC with optimizations for the newer systems rather than next-gen versions themselves. So you won't be able to buy an Xbox Series X or PS5 version of the game, but the Legendary Edition will be backwards compatible on the next-gen console.
bundles with optimizations that take advantage of the improved hardware. So I imagine we'll be seeing maybe slightly smoother frame rates and better graphics on the next-gen consoles. And I've never played a Mass Effect game. I've heard really, really great things about this franchise, and I am excited to jump in at some point this year. I've heard Mass Effect 2 especially is a masterpiece by a lot of people, and I'm really excited to check these games out. I will be prioritizing Resident Evil Village and Returnal and Ratchet and Clank for sure. So hopefully I'll be getting to these Mass Effect games this summer, maybe like July or something after Ratchet, if I had to guess. It really just depends how long Resident Evil Village and Returnal are as well. Maybe I could squeeze in Mass Effect 1 before Ratchet, but I don't think so. I just think May is looking to be very crowded, and anything more than like three games a month is hard to do unless you play like all day, every day, which at this point I'm lucky if I get like eight to ten hours of gaming in per week sometimes more than that if i play a lot on the weekends and stay up late i just don't think i'll be getting to mass effect right away but i am excited to play them and I, I do fully intend to play these games and i do really hope i like them i hope they're for me i'm not a huge rpg person generally speaking if the combat is good and the dialogue options are solid i feel like i'll really enjoy it and i shouldn't say i'm not a an rpg guy i mean i love the witcher 3 especially that's an rpg i really liked i really like Horizon Zero Dawn. I just don't think that I'm a big fan of really traditional RPGs. Like, I never really got into the Fallout series or anything like that. I played The Outer Worlds and beat it. I didn't really love it. It was okay to me. The Mass Effect games are supposed to be some of the best RPGs ever made, so I really, really am excited to check them out. Excited to see the stories as well. I heard what makes these games so good is the fact that the stories are so excellent, and I'm definitely into space and space exploration, and I've heard the atmosphere of the games are great as well. So we'll just have to see what I think later this year once I do finally get to this series. And before we move on, I also want to commend BioWare for taking the time and spending the resources to remake these three games and giving the opportunity for players like myself to experience these games for the very first time. Because when these games came out, I was pretty young, and at the time I was playing more linear action games like Uncharted rather than Mass Effect and rather than the other RPGs in general. So I think it's great that older players now that were young when these games came out can now enjoy them in a more optimized type of way with better performance and graphics. I really think it was smart of them to take the time to go all in on this project, and I'm excited to see it. All right, so number six for the news this week, and I think this is what all of you guys have been waiting for, and what you've been waiting to hear is that a lot of new information has been exposed about what's been going on behind the scenes at Sony. While there are a couple of things to be excited about, people in general are really down on this news. There is a lot to get into, so let's get right into it. So it all starts with Jason Schreier at Bloomberg. And he previously was a games journalist for Kotaku, and now he's over at Bloomberg. And he did publish what I have to admit is a well-written article about Sony's recent operations and some past development decisions that were made. The article is titled, Sony's Obsession with Blockbusters is Stirring Unrest Within the PlayStation Empire. And the article does mention franchises, just to fill you guys in on what you can expect before we get into the meat of the article including Uncharted, The Last of Us, and Days Gone. Again, I'm just going to be summarizing the main points and recommend that you guys read the article yourselves as it was very informative and what I thought to be a good read. So right off the bat, we learned that Sony's Visual Arts Service Group, also abbreviated to VASG, 
is a San Diego-based operation that helps other Sony first-party studios finish off animation, art, and other development aspects near the end of development of each respective game that they work on. There's a guy named Michael Mumbauer who has led VASG since seemingly 2007, and it was reported by Schreier that Mumbauer recruited about 30 developers, both from within and from outside of Sony, to form a new development team within Sony. Mumbauer's team at VASG soon began working at an unknown time on a remake of The Last of Us Part 1. However, Sony never gave this team the funding or additional support that was needed to finish the job and instead decided to move the development of the remake of the first game to Naughty Dog. So as far as we know based on this article and what's public at this point in time, the Last of Us Part 1 remake is now still seemingly in development at Naughty Dog with an official comment from Sony still missing. At the time of recording, Sony hasn't commented on anything contained in Schreier's article. Schreier also interviewed eight people who asked not to be identified, and we learned that Michael Mumbauer and others left VASG entirely. Schreier also reiterated that Sony's recent focus on big-budget blockbuster games has come at the expense of niche teams within PlayStation. And as we've discussed in prior weeks, Sony did largely reorganize its internal Sony Japan teams that resulted in many departures of developers that worked on less popular but still quality Japanese games that Schreier mentions in the article like Gravity Rush and Everybody's Golf. And quick side note before we continue on with Schreier's article, I do just want to reiterate that Team Asobi, which is responsible for the Astrobot games, Astro's Playroom on PS5, and then the VR game Astrobot. Uh, rescue mission is the main part of Sony Japan that is still functioning. Besides Team Asobi, a lot of the prior development teams and developers were disbanded and left Sony entirely, which is definitely sad news for players of Sony Japan games. Continuing on with the article, Schreier also reported that Sony stated that they no longer want to make smaller games that are only popular in Japan and instead want to focus in on large blockbuster experiences. So at this point, it's a little bit weird. Instead of focusing in on on his continued thoughts on VASG and The Last of Us Part 1 remake, he instead switches gears to what's going on with Sony Bend, and then at the end of the article, he goes back into VASG and Naughty Dog again. So let's get into Sony Bend at this point, and then we'll circle back to the Naughty Dog and VASG news again. So the Days Gone news that I'm sure will upset a lot of you is that Sony Bend apparently unsuccessfully pitched a sequel to Days Gone to Sony in 2019, and for those of you that don't know much about Days Gone, Days Gone was the biker gang apocalypse zombie focused open world game that was released on PS4 in April of 2019. The game was profitable, it was revealed and found a large fan base, but the negatives included a lengthy development cycle and mixed critical reception. So for those of you that remember, Days Gone got very mixed reviews upon launch due to a myriad of bugs and technical problems on the PS4 version of the game. Since then, Bend has improved the game to run at 4K and 60 frames on PS5 and has fixed a lot of the PS4 issues as well. And personally, so my personal experience with Days Gone, when I played the game in the summer of 2019, which was about three months or so after it released was when I started it, I was impressed with the way the game ran overall and did not encounter a lot of bugs, I found my experience to be pretty smooth. So this definitely speaks to the efficiency and the speed with which Sony Ben was able to fix and patch the game, which is honestly something that should be commended after 
releases like Cyberpunk 2077. And before we get into the continued news, I do want to say that I enjoyed Days Gone. I didn't love the game. It wasn't like my favorite game of the year or anything like that, but I found it to be an enjoyable open world game with solid third person shooting mechanics. I liked the bike mechanics with the gas and the camps. They each had different currencies to upgrade your bike and your weapons. I definitely found Days Gone to be an underrated game that I would like to revisit in the future. Maybe try to clean up some of the trophies and check out the PS5 patch. I think it would definitely be one that's worth revisiting and checking out to see how far they've actually come with the updated version. As a result of the unsuccessful pitch for Days Gone 2, part of Sony Ben was assigned to help Naughty Dog with a multiplayer game, which we have to assume is Factions, and a second part of Sony Ben was assigned to work on a new Uncharted game with supervision above from Naughty Dog. Wow, so this part is crazy to me. So not only were Sony Bend unable to work on Days Gone 2 at the beginning, but they're basically at that point in time turned into a Naughty Dog support team and a part of Naughty Dog essentially to help the developer finish off factions most likely and then also begin a new Uncharted, which is very interesting that this was the case. A new Uncharted game was in development at some point with Sony Bend with some supervision from Naughty Dog beginning in 2019 after the release of Days Gone. So some Ben staff was upset with these new assignments and they quit. And Jason Trier stated that Ben's developers were worried that they might ultimately be absorbed into Naughty Dog. But fortunately, Ben's leadership asked to be taken off of the Uncharted project and they're now working on a new game of their own and a game that is seemingly going to be a new IP unrelated to Days Gone, The Last of Us, or Uncharted. So this part of the article is the end of the Ben news. It was pretty brief, the mention of Sony Bend and the reported cancellation of the pitch for Days Gone 2. So this definitely sucks for them. And while I didn't love Days Gone, I did like it. And I do think it's well worth playing. I think you guys should check it out, especially on the PS5 where it's free and runs and looks even better. And again, like I said, I do want to revisit it on PS5 at some point and see how far they've come with the improvements because the game does have an 8.3 user score on Metacritic and it definitely developed a really great fan base. They should never have been able to, or allowed, I should say, to release the game in the state that it was in and they should have delayed it by a couple months to patch it. And they fixed the game quite quickly. Like I said, I played it a few few months after it came out and I had a really good experience. I didn't come across any bugs when I played it in July or August or so of 2019. So fans are definitely upset with this announcement as they should be. I think Ben created a good new IP and ultimately they had to work on Naughty Dog projects rather than realizing their vision for the second Days Gone game that was really ultimately what they wanted to make. And I do think they ultimately did earn the right to make Days Gone 2 after seeing the fact that the game was profitable and that it did develop a really strong fan base. And the article also mentions that the new IP was greenlit, like I mentioned, but this was greenlit apparently last month, according to Schreier, which means that this new IP is very early on in development and we won't be seeing this game for a while. I'd guess probably not until 2024 at the earliest. And to me, this is the most disappointing part of all of this. There was so much wasted time where they could have been working on the new IP or they could have been working on Days Gone 2 since 2019, but they kind of just messed around with Naughty Dog. And I'm sure they did make good progress and help in the timelines for factions and maybe even a new Uncharted game. I imagine these projects are probably further along than they would have been otherwise, but it's still disappointing that this new IP is seemingly just starting development. It's going to be a while until we see 
what Ben is actually working on at this point. And this begs a whole new question. After Ben got off the Uncharted project, we're still left to wonder whether the new Uncharted game is still in development at Naughty Dog. We're also left to wonder what Sony will even respond to this because they still have yet to comment. We'll have to see if they report and confirm that Days Gone 2 is in fact canceled and then Obviously, we'll also be keeping our ears peeled for any news related to Uncharted and The Last of Us 1 Remake. So ultimately, before we move on, I feel for Bend. They wanted to make Days Gone 2 and were not granted that wish. I would have liked to see what they could have done with the sequel to improve upon the base that they solidified in the first game, but it sounds like we won't be getting that realization, unfortunately. Okay, so at this point, I want to move back into VSG and The Last of Us 1 remake again. So initially, the VASG team led by Mumbauer pitched an Uncharted Drake's Fortune remake, according to Jason Schreier. And this idea was rejected due to the large expense and the large amount of design work that would have been necessary. So instead, Mumbauer and the team decided to focus on pitching a Last of Us 1 remake since it was more modern and would hypothetically cost less to remake than the first Uncharted game. So the Last of Us 1 remake was titled by the code name of T1X and was said to be approved to VASG to be developed on a probationary basis. So keep that in mind, that's important for where this is headed. So Sony kept the existence of this VASG team a secret and refused to dedicate any additional budget to do the necessary hiring to build out the studio. And it was also reported by Schreier that in the spring of 2019, VASG completed a section of The Last of Us 1 remake to showcase how the remake would look and feel. And we learned that Herman Holst, who is now the head of PlayStation, thought the remake would be too expensive since it would be on a brand new graphical engine at the time for PlayStation 5. And just when VASG thought that they were about to enter production of their remake on The Last of Us Part 1, they got called in to help polish off the delayed Last of Us Part 2, which slowed down progress on their own remake of the first game. Then, after Last of Us 2 was released, Naughty Dog joined in on the development of The Last of Us 1 remake and Sony gave Naughty Dog more budget for the project. So at this point, VASG was basically acting in a support role on the remake rather than taking the lead on it, and now it seems that Naughty Dog is reportedly leading the head development on The Last of Us 1 remake. So a lot of people are saying that The Last of Us 1 doesn't need a remake, and Uncharted 1 could have used it before The Last of Us Part 1 since it, since it was an older game, and I somewhat agree with this sentiment. And while I don't think The Last of Us 1 needs to be remade at all, as I just watched my brother did recently play through it on PS5 where it was beautiful and ran very smoothly at 60 FPS. I'm not complaining that Naughty Dog has taken the lead on a remake for this game. And at first I thought it was unnecessary and too early since the game was already remastered for PS4 in 2014 and looks great on PS5 like I said. But now I'm beginning to understand this decision. I imagine that they're going to offer Last of Us 1 Remake, Last of Us 2 Remastered for PS5, and Factions, the new multiplayer modes, all in one bundle for $70. I think that's what we're going to see here, hopefully with options to purchase some of them separately for less money as well, and maybe even a free upgrade for just The Last of Us Part 2 for those who owned it on PS5 and don't care about Factions or the 1 Remake. And I'm also wondering how much longer Factions and The Last of Us 1 Remake actually need in development. We don't know. Like I said, so he hasn't even confirmed that these projects exist, really. Well, they have confirmed that Naughty Dog is working on a multiplayer project, but we haven't heard anything about Factions specifically or The Last of Us Part 1 Remake. So I'm really excited to see what they say to this article. This definitely puts some pressure on Sony and on Naughty Dog 
to announce more information soon. And as a huge fan of The Last of Us, I'd be thrilled to see all three released simultaneously this summer or fall or something like that. And at this time, since we don't know release date or pricing information, I can't praise or be critical of Sony yet. If they release all of it for $70, I don't think that would be too unreasonable because that is two full amazing games, two of my favorite games of all time, remastered and remade for PS5. And what is probably going to be a really robust and great multiplayer game as well in factions but i do think if they expect you to pay 70 dollars for the last of us one remake by itself i do think that's a massive problem and that's encroaching upon skyward sword nintendo remaster pricing territory which as i've reported on in the past is no bueno so hopefully factions isn't 70 bucks by itself either although it might be worth it for the amount of hours people are going to get out of that project so for those people out there that think the last of us one remake is redundant unnecessary and stupid i see your points it's just hard for me to hold the same viewpoint since the last of us one is one of my favorites of all time and it's now going to be running, it seems, in the same engine with the same gameplay improvements as The Last of Us Part 2, and the prospects of that have me very excited. Still though, I feel for VASG and Bend, who definitely got worse treatment than Naughty Dog, and it does make sense from a business standpoint, Naughty Dog is Sony's crown jewel, and I'm sure they want Naughty Dog to lead the charge on The Last of Us 1 remake, and that's not to say that VASG didn't have what it takes or didn't have what it took to make it, but they definitely want to be less risky and keep that development with Naughty Dog since they're the ones ultimately that made the game in the first place, retained so many of the employees that worked on the first game, and know the game inside and out. So it definitely sucks for these teams. I really wish Ben the best of luck too on their new IP. I'm excited to see what it is exactly. It's just disappointing that we learn all of this from a Bloomberg article and not from Sony themselves. I feel like Sony has been quiet lately where maybe they could be more explanatory and tell us and fill us in on what's actually going on. So hopefully that helped clear some things up for you guys. And just to recap, VASG is seemingly supporting Naughty Dog Now and The Last of Us 1 remake. The mysterious new Uncharted game was in development at Bend with the supervision of Naughty Dog, but Bend asked to be taken off, so we still don't know if the Uncharted game is in development at Naughty Dog or if that's been canceled entirely. And then finally, Naughty Dog is also likely working on factions to be released alongside or around The Last of Us Part 1 remake, but we will just have to wait and see for official confirmation on Sony for all of this. And I do have to say, even though I'm really happy that we're getting more Last of Us and we're getting a Last of Us 1 remake, and we're probably getting a new Uncharted game. It definitely wasn't right how Sony treated VASG and Bend, and I'm a little bit upset with that preferential treatment, and these teams did really good things, Bend especially. We're not so sure about VASG since we never saw the fruits of their labor, but we do know that VASG did a lot to animate and finish off some art and design and production values on some late development cycle work on first party games like Spider-Man, Uncharted, and The Last of Us Part Two most recently. So I'm sure that they're very talented as well. And it's a shame that these two teams aren't getting the opportunity to make what they wanted to make and that Sony is kind of just throwing them to the wayside. It's definitely disappointing to see. With that being said, though, I'm not too pessimistic about this whole situation. It still sounds like we're going to be getting some great games. And as a consumer, that's what I care about. All right. So now that we went into all of the news for the week and that big kind of piece on Jason Schreier's article, I do want to get into what I've been playing. 
and it will be brief this week. I haven't spent too much time with either of these games, but I do want to talk about them both. And like I said at the top, the games that I've been playing this past week were Oddworld Soulstorm and Hitman 3. And as I put more time into them this month and eventually beat and complete them, I'll have more thoughts and hopefully even some YouTube videos as well or video reviews or gameplay. So the first game we'll talk about is Hitman 3, which of course is by IO Interactive. And last week I went over my thoughts on Hitman 1, which I recently beat at the beginning of this month shorter game that I really enjoyed with a lot of gameplay choice in how you wanted to go about its levels so definitely check out episode 41 if you'd like to hear my thoughts on Hitman 1 I think I talked about that at the end of the episode and I especially like the Sapienza Italy level and the Hokkaido Japan level in that game really really cool assassinations you could pull off so the reason I bought Hitman 3 is because there's not a lot of PS5 games out right now and this is a true next-gen PlayStation 5 game even though it did come on PS4 as well and it's something that I was really craving to play after spending the last two months or so replaying or playing for the first time various PS4 games I missed on my PS5 since there wasn't much I was interested in on PS5 after getting through Miles Morales, Demon's Souls Remake, Astro's Playroom, The Pathless, and Sackboy big adventure so i saw some great reviews on hitman 3 people seemed to be loving it people had nothing but nice things to say about it for the most part so i decided to pick it up and i decided first to play hitman 1 and i wanted to play 3 before 2 since i don't really care about the story in this game i'm more into it for the gameplay like i mentioned last week and right off the bat i noticed that hitman 3 graphically is incredible i started up the Dubai level in the UAE and moving forward there are going to be some slight spoilers for the first two levels of Hitman 3 for those of you that want to skip ahead to my opinion on Oddworld you can go right ahead and do that so this will be the last warning uh, so at this point I'll just start talking a little bit about Hitman 3 and if I bring up some spoilers I'm sorry but this is your last warning to skip ahead so starting in the Dubai level in Hitman 3 you drop in from the air and you have to skydive in and walk on a beam of the tallest building in the world and once you gain entry to the building, you change into a suit and pretend to be a guest in a fancy gala or party, some type of event in the skyscraper. And you have two assassination targets. And like in Hitman 1, you really have the freedom to take them down in many different ways that really makes these games so appealing to me and increases the replay value of them as well. So I killed one of my targets by impersonating someone he was meeting with. And then I shoved him off the balcony to the clouds below, which was really cool. And my next assassination was one of my favorite Hitman assassinations I've pulled off yet. And granted, I haven't played Hitman 2, and I've only played the first two levels of Hitman 3 and all of Hitman 1, but this assassination was great. I decided to put an explosive golf ball into my second target's bucket of balls as he practiced his swings on the terrace of the building. And as soon as he hit that explosive ball, I watched him explode and fly off the ledge of the building which was really really satisfying and funny and the game is definitely slow paced like the previous games in the Hitman series but it does escalate to very intense situations as you get close to pulling off your assassinations which is another thing that makes me really really enjoy my time with these games and the second level we'll move on to the second level so again if you don't want to hear spoilers for the second level in Hitman 3 you can go ahead and skip ahead but this level is called Dartmoor and Dartmoor took place at a mansion in England and this was by far my favorite Hitman level yet as the opportunity that I tracked to assassinate my elderly female target was to take place by solving a murder mystery and this took place in a similar fashion to how the 
board game Clue takes place for those of you guys that have played that game. And in this level, you had to examine evidence through this opportunity, question family members and witnesses, and then explore the massive mansion in England to figure out how exactly a murder went down. And before I get further on, I just want to clarify because I know I keep bringing up opportunities. So opportunities in Hitman are basically missions that you select to kind of guide you along with your your process to assassinate your targets. And there's multiple opportunities for each level in Hitman that really ups the replayability. And this level I actually replayed again, and I'll show you how I assassinated the target through a second opportunity. But anyways, back to the level. So after you examine the evidence, question the family members, and explore this mansion to examine this murder, you essentially have to get information from your target before killing her. She's able to meet with you because I disguised myself as a private investigator, and that's how I was able to pretend to be kind of a detective and solve this murder mystery for this evil family. Disguised as the private investigator, I let my target know who was responsible for the murder, the separate murder, I should say, after solving all the clues and the hints throughout the mansion. And then I finished her off in just a really satisfying way, assassinated her. And this level was my favorite Hitman level by far. It just had incredible level design. It was an entertaining murder mystery that was so unique. I've never seen a video game even attempt to pull something like this off. It made you feel like a detective, something I didn't think Hitman would ever achieve. And like I said, I did replay the level to track a different opportunity where I pretended to be a graveyard groundskeeper to trick my target. So I'm really enjoying my time with this game. The third mission is called Berlin, and I do plan to get back to Hitman 3 and play Berlin after finishing up Oddworld, which I do briefly want to talk about as well. So I don't have a final verdict yet on Oddworld since I'm only about five hours in so far, but I do have some first impressions of it that you might be interested to hear to see if it's a game that you might want to pick up. So the game is called Oddworld Soulstorm, and it's developed by Oddworld Inhabitants, which is the California-based studio responsible for past Oddworld titles. And Soulstorm is a reimagining and even a somewhat remake, it was said, of the second Oddworld PlayStation 1 game, which was called Oddworld Abe's Exodus. And it was said by the game director, Lorne Lanning, that they had to turn around Abe's Exodus in just nine months after the release of the first Oddworld game. And Soulstorm was created to fully realize the potential of what Abe's Exodus could have been with a more modern touch and if they had had more development time. So for those of you that haven't played an Oddworld game, and like me, I hadn't played an Oddworld game before this one, the best way I can describe Oddworld to you is it's a puzzle platformer with stealth mechanics, and I know it sounds like a mix of genres that might not mix well, but I'm pleased to say that so far they do mix very well together. So in Soulstorm, you control Abe, who is a mudikin, which is a type of creature that's tasked with saving his fellow mudikins from the greedy glucons, which are essentially an a corporation race that enslave mudikins on their farms. And after Abe has freed the mudikins, he must help them escape from the glucons across what I believe is 15 unique levels. And I think there's two or three bonus levels as well if you rescue enough mudikins. And apologies if I'm not saying that right. I'm sure there's Oddworld fans yelling at me for my pronunciation. So each level has its own set of puzzle platforming challenges where you're also tasked with healing and stealthily leading your fellow mudikins to safety by not having them killed. 
and the game is challenging and I have trouble saving my followers without getting caught, it would definitely take a lot of work and replaying of the levels for me with practice to eventually unlock the bonus levels. So what the gameplay consists of basically is that you use Abe to control Sligs, which are these little alien guys with guns that try to kill you, and you can possess them with an ability called Chant, and you can use Chant to shoot other Sligs while in control of a Slig, which is really useful. You can also use Brew Bottles and Flares to set up large fires and explosions to kill your enemies. You can use Traps to blow enemies up. You can use Smoke Screens to conceal yourself, and you can hide in lockers and a lot more. And it's nice because you can also craft various items and weapons to help you by scavenging for materials in the environments, which I believe wasn't part of previous Oddworld games. Crafting is something new to Soulstorm, I believe, and I think they did succeed so far in that endeavor. And the platforming feels responsive so far. The game runs well too, although I did notice a few frame drops on PS5, so it's not perfect. And I do want to reiterate that the game is pretty hard. The gameplay is really trial and error focused. It's kind of like Hitman in that way, honestly. The puzzles are quality though, and the writing is also really funny and dark in a twisted kind of way. The game takes on themes like slavery and freedom and corporate greed and things like that. So it's definitely very self-aware and Abe's voice is hilarious. Whenever he occasionally talks during gameplay, it always gets a laugh out of me. Just the way he talks is really funny and you guys can look it up if you'd like. I'm not going to try to do an impersonation. I don't think I'd be able to pull it off, but I am looking forward to continuing on and completing this game this month. I am enjoying my time with it, and I'm sure over the coming weeks, I'll have a lot more to say about it. But yeah, everyone, that's it for episode 42 this week. Hope you enjoyed it and found some of the news items I talked about informative. Definitely look forward to episode 43 next week. I'm sure we'll have some more Oddworld impressions, maybe some more Hitman 3 impressions, and whatever news comes our way, hopefully Sony makes a comment that we can go into next week. But until next time, guys, thanks so much for stopping by, and take care.